Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. Happy to have you this evening as we are closing out the 2021 season. It's hard to believe we're in December. And guess what that means? We have our buddy, Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel back joining us for our yearly visit uh, with Jim. And we're going to kind of wrap up uh, the year in weather. And, you know, we always talk about other things. So I hope you'll enjoy our conversation tonight. Jim, uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And we'll, we'll cut really right to the chase here. Uh, 2021, as all years past, has really given us some some weather topics to talk about. So uh, just the first opening question, anything really just like stick out in your mind this year that that really will be remembered? 2021 will be really uh, remembered by. Ooh, OK, so every every birthday I try to plan this ski trip with my buddies that I went to Linden State with. And this past year, <laughs> there's there's this little freeze thing in, in Texas that occurred. So uh, that got abruptly canceled. Uh, that, I mean, that absolutely stands out. And, and, you know, I don't mean to make light of it because it was, hor- it was horrible. P- people lost so much in that. They lost uh, lives, you know, first of all and, and foremost, but uh, property. Uh, to, I mean, just Texas was totally unprepared for that. And then the debacle with the energy and the, and the you know, the roundabout uh, power outages. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. Um, but, but I can't really single that out because certainly – you've got that massive heat wave in the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, a lot of times we talk about just United States disasters, but what, what that did in Southwest Canada and British Columbia and, and Southwest, I mean, oh my, the loss of lives up there, just incredible. Um, and then you turn that right around to this fall where they, where they had that massive flood in, in some of these same towns that have like their hottest temperature ever recorded. Crazy. Um, Ida. Ida is the storm that stands out to me in terms of hurricane season, uh, not because I was down in it, but because of what it did afterward. And I think what, what, what caught people off guard. I mean, I'll open this by saying it, it is time to give the high risk of flooding the same credibility, if not more, um, than what the SPC high risk outlook days get. I, I'm, that's where I'm at. Speaking of that, I'm glad you just mentioned that. Let's talk about the uh, record-breaking summer that Philly and New York City experienced this year, um, multiple flash flooding events, flash flood emergencies, and then tornado outbreaks on top of that throughout New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So your years as a meteorologist, uh, have you ever seen anything catastrophic like this in the mid-Atlantic and Northeast? And do you think uh, this is going to be a trend from now on? Yeah, I mean, uh, the seasons are broadening, right? It, it- Every, 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 in every which way. Uh, I mean, look at, what, didn't we just have like tornado, tornadoes in Connecticut and Rhode Island for the first time ever um, in, in November? I mean, it's just it's absolutely not just a few weeks ago. So it, it's, it, it's crazy. I, I've never seen anything like it. But, uh, you know, I mean, expect the unexpected is, is all I can say. I mean, don't, don't, don't just count on what your, what your parents went through or what your grandparents went through because, uh, in a lot of ways, it's just not not that way anymore uh, with with weather. And, and honestly, I can just say, look, it's our job to predict it if we're if we're talking about it, and and it's coming regardless of what time of the year it is. You got to pay attention to it because because something's tipping tipping us off to it, right? Twenty twenty one, we had an above average season. Noah pretty much nailed it. I think they were right there at the mark at twenty, where it went to twenty one total, but they nailed it on the hurricanes, the majors. Um, we saw a lot of activity this year, but not as impactful as 2020. So, uh, you know, Ida, of course, sticks out. But what other storms stick out the most to you? I, I mean, we, did, we didn't have a, a 2020 year. Uh, I didn't think anybody thought that we would, even though it was a little scary because we ran up the numbers just like we did in 2020. And then all of a sudden, like mid-September, not only did the Atlantic Basin shut off, but the whole doggone globe did. Um, gosh, what other storms stick out to me? Um, you know, I mean, I, I did Henri in, in Narragansett and, uh, it was, it was kind of crazy because when I'm, when I'm out in the field, I'm, I'm hearing about all the programming that we're doing back at the weather channel. And I wasn't on at the time, but I, I heard us take the, the governor of New York, uh, discussing how this was going to be like. Sandy 
And I was, and I, and I was like, Oh my God, I absolutely have to come back out and correct him and say, that's, that's not the case. I mean, Henri is not going to be in any way, shape or form like Sandy. So it, it just kind of occurred to me that, you know, I mean, we got to do something about this. I, there, there's, there's national weather service offices where when, the, when these governors give these news briefings, um, either they have to be buttoned up, or doggone it, have a, have a National Weather Service meteorologist with you to give a 30-second, here's what's going on, and then you get into all uh, the rationale of what you're going to do with first responders, fire and police, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, shelters. Uh, but but, the, but these, these kind of briefings and, and scare tactics are just absolutely unacceptable. I mean, that, guys, that just that makes our job so much harder. I mean, think yeah, about that. Yeah. We work so hard right. on message, yeah. which we're still working on. And, 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 oh my God, I mean, I've got Governor Cuomo coming on and say, this is going to be like Sandy. I'm like, dude, wow. So, I, I mean, I had, to, I had to correct him on the air. It just, there's, you had to do it. Uh, you know, one interesting thing I thought about Henri was, is as it went up the coastline and met with an upper load, it's a very similar pattern to what happened over New Jersey is what the 2015 uh, flooding situation in South Carolina did. So you almost saw a similar pattern. I know. With an upper yeah. low and, and a hurricane out, out in the Atlantic and it, it set up and there was a lot of rainfall from that system overall in that area. I mean, it really, it really came down. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't, it didn't turn out to be a, a big wind deal, deal, but the rain was big. And of course then Ida, you know, Ida just stands out um, mm -hmm. in, in so many ways. I was like, Oh boy, I hope we don't have another Gulf situation where we get multiple storms that RI into land. And luckily we didn't have it this year, but Ida was pretty bad. It did some damage over that area. It's going to be an interesting post, I think, with Ida when that comes out. And you know what the other one I think is going to be interesting is, is Wanda. I mean, if that wasn't a tropical something when it came across the Cape, uh, it wasn't Wanda yet, but I, I was kind of surprised. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see if they make it a Wanda earlier than, than it actually was. You mentioned we kind of touched on earlier the 2021 season had a had a quick start. Everything got a little bit exciting and woke up yeah. and we were we were running through names pretty quickly. And then somewhere in September, towards the end, we reached the peak and then just boom, dropped straight off and everything was quiet, dead the rest for the rest of the season. Luckily for the United States, um, since we had been so traumatized with Ida, but what are your thoughts about that quiet end to the hurricane season? A little bit unusual uh, by the standards of the way it started off. You know, what's really funny is I really haven't heard much talk about that. Um, was it, was it, you know, MJO um, just shutting down for us and, and not cycling around? Uh, I, I think that that probably has a little something to do with it, but I, I'm, I'm really not sure. But yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy that it, <laughs> that it did shut down because we didn't need another, you know, huge September and October uh, and early November after what we had. That's for sure. You mentioned earlier, Jim, uh, that's about time we start assigning some more significance to flooding high risks. Just yes. Like we do with SBC high risks. Yes. Uh, with all this flooding and craziness going on, I think another topic that maybe gets underplayed sometimes or not assigned enough significance is these heat waves uh, to the Pacific North Northwest heat wave back in June. Go. I won't see your thunder. Give me your thoughts on it. I'm 121 and lighten and then lighten burn down. Uh, was that an unprecedented event in your career? Absolutely. Um, never, never seen anything like that as long as it lasted and as far north as it went. You know, like I said at the top, a lot of times we talk about USA disasters, but that was a North American disaster because it went well into Canada, uh, setting all time record highs. And then <laughs> This year, coupling that with that insane flooding that we just had uh, in the Pacific Northwest about a month ago. So just, yeah, the, the, the yin and the yang, man, um, all, all in one year. It's, it's just crazy. Do you think we're experiencing any pushback from folks that are just tired of these extreme events? They're weary and they're starting to not pay as much attention or they're getting um, – a little more, a uh, little less careful uh, in their preparations because they're so tired of caring about everything. I think there's red flags going up all over the place. I mean, I, I think if there's if there's pushback, it's because there's just so much information coming at them. It's like, look, I got COVID, I got the kids, I got a meeting with my boss about my job. I, 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 I 
you know, I don't have time for this weather situation. So that that's probably playing a role in it, just social aspects of people's lives. Um, I mean, there's warnings everywhere. You, you, got, you got apps, you got TV, you got, it's coming at you from, from all angles. And I think sometimes the easiest thing to do is just to go hide from it and, and ignore it versus fa- face the reality. Right. I mean, if, if somebody tells you, uh, if, if you're a prolific drinker that you've got a drinking problem, I mean, the first thing that you want to do is ignore that, right? Until you kind of accept it for yourself, um, if that is in fact a problem, then you don't. Uh, you, you, you kind of ignore it until it hits rock bottom. And in this case, it would be hitting rock bottom with, with a storm hit, you're hitting you right in the face or a, or a heat wave or a cold wave, an unprecedented cold wave or snow or, 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 or a hurricane or, or a flash flood. So, you know, I, I think there's some social issues attached to that, you know, information just coming at you from all angles, plus just life interfering with that, too. It was an interesting year in that the GFS seemed to start outperforming yeah. King Euro a, a few times. Any thoughts on, on, on those advancements and just overall, just how much better we're getting at this? I mean, I don't think it's any surprise that higher resolution <laughs> leads to better modeling. Um, but really, because if you think about it, I mean, the Europeans still has higher resolution, but they, uh, they had, a, you remember last year, that West bias that they had with everything. And this year they didn't do that, that great as well. So, so something, something in those physics went wrong, but the, the new package, uh, you know, the FP3 pad, I, I just think went, went, has gone really well, uh, for, for the GFS. Now that said, <laughs> They've also been producing a, a pretty big snowstorm for Wednesday and Thursday in the Northeast till, till the other day. So, and the, and the Europeans been kind of just doing, not doing much with it. Um, you know, they, they, but let's see, let's see what happens next year. Uh, let, let, let's see what happens. But I, but I do think to your point that the GFS is, is, is absolutely something to watch now. It, it's absolutely uh, truly, truly to be considered potentially even in a lot more. And, and maybe what, what, what's even more interesting is it's going out 10 days. There's this GFS feature. It's not on the European. Um, it starts showing up on the European like day seven. And then they both kind of bring it in or, or bring it nearby uh, as you kind of close in from day seven. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe the thing is the takeaway is the GFS is, is something to watch now. Uh, and it's got a little believability as we go out to that seven to day, seven to 10 day forecast. And, you know, it's no strange. And NHC has been talking about a seven day forecast, mm-hmm. which I, I think is a blessing and a curse, right? Because it, it, if all of a sudden we've got something aimed at, at Houston seven days out, I mean, you're talking about a huge city that is going to absolutely freak out and, and then coming within five days, all the models are starting to shift toward the right. All right. And, and, and putting Lake Charles, you guys know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> all right. So we, we have to deal with that. We have to deal with that. I mean, what, what, how many days out are, are really perfect to, to get people, uh, to get people out of harm's way. And the other thing too, is on the other side of that, Holy smoke, if something develops in the Caribbean, uh, as a depression and then moves north and all of a sudden we got a cat four or five hurricane slamming the Gulf coast in three days. Uh, how do we prepare people for that? How do we prepare people for that? So you, you can't warn too early and you can't warn too late. So where, where that happy, happy time is and how we case that and, and that message. Uh, I still think we got a lot of work to do on that. Nope to snow weenies. This is not licensed to post 10 day snow maps. <laughs> no, no, please don't do that. I want to talk about winter weather for a second, but I do have a quick follow up to Jared there. You know, we talk about all these advancements and in, in, in the models and everything, and there's so much information out there. And it, now it's so accessible to anybody, you know, anywhere, you know, anybody can get anybody can get a weather model. Anybody can look at that stuff and start putting out forecasts on the Internet and on social media. And of course, you know, we've seen it happen. So in your, you know, in your opinion, how do we as meteorologists, how do we battle that and kind of cut through all the garbage that's out there, you know, for people who just want to post models and are, you know, meteorologists really instead of meteorologists? The great news about Twitter is it's, it's so good at self-correcting, right? I mean, I th- you know, and it, it, it has for me. 
and I'll just use myself as a, if I post a picture that somebody sends me that I trust, that's an older picture uh, that they either didn't look at uh, or, or, or research or whatever. And I, and I just post it because I trust them. People will get back to me. Hey, Jim, that's an older picture or that's an old picture. But, but, but I, but I think Twitter really at the end of the day wants the good to, to be out there and it, and it will self-correct uh, very quickly. The week that we're taping this, there, there was a snow situation in the Northeast. It actually looked like we would get some widespread snow. The GFS was all over it. I thought the European may come around a little bit. Uh, it never did. As a matter of fact, the, the GFS went more toward the European and, and really made it a non-event uh, for, 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 for Wednesday and Thursday. But it's easy to kind of go out and, and just, hey, here's maybe this is our first widespread snow event. Um, it looks like it may kind of come together. And and. And there's got to be, there's still a little speculation on our behalf. So it's really how you cage it. How do you, you know, could this happen? This, this is something we're watching uh, instead of just firm, hey, this is what's going on. So really until you're, you're locked in and you have just tremendous confidence in the forecast, uh, I, I still think it's, it's important that we put the message out there with a, hey, you know what, we're still, there, there could be some big tweaks to this. But it's something we're watching. Let's talk about winter weather real, real quick. Uh, of course, because it is December and it's on everybody's minds, and I'm getting messages yeah. all the time. When's it going to snow? When's it going to snow? Mm. And you know, we've we've done our winter weather outlook here, and you know, we talk about being in a double dip La Nina year. Um, and what we did a couple of weeks ago was kind of break that down. And you know, there's always exceptions to the rule. For you know, for instance, in Greensboro, we've had our coldest temperature ever recorded in Greensboro. It was negative eight in January of '85, and that was a double dip La Nina to, La Nina year too. But typically, you know, they lend themselves for us being typically warmer, typically a little bit drier. So just talk about your winter weather outlook for the East Coast for, for this winter. Well, I mean, look at look at where we started. I mean, it's it's, it's dried out in the southeast, right, until, uh, you know, just a day ago when we got the rain. And, and we're certainly going to get more rain uh, coming up with these, these, these California systems that are going to go west to east. But, you know, last year it was it was Texas. With, with the cold. And I'm wondering if we're going to get one of those big cold snaps in mid to late winter that, that sets up over the East coast. I, I think that's an absolute possibility. That's certainly not going to be the case in mid December. Uh, it looks like we're going to be in full scale ridging, but there's a lot of amplitude out there. And, and I, and I, if we can, if we, it locks up somewhere, somebody's going to either freeze or heat, heat up. You know, and it depends on where that all lands. Um, I, I think the, you know, I think Southern California is in trouble. This is that together, regardless of a double dip La Nina, I, I still don't think the, the true super wet weather sets up down there. Could they get more rain than last year? Probably. Uh, it certainly looks like that, that they're going to do well in mid-December. But I, I like to say with, with La Nina and El Nino, it, it's not like, when you're playing the California Angels, you're only playing Mike Trout. I mean, sometimes Otani shows up and he shows up for, for days at a time and outperforms Trout. Sometimes other players come through, and that's kind of the way it is with, with La Nina. There's, a, there's other features out there that, that can set up, um, and, and that's what we'll have to watch as, as we get into the meat of this winter. We've talked about some memorable uh, events this 2021 season and the tropics, hurricanes. Let's talk about yeah. uh, some memorable severe weather events. I was down here in March. It was a pretty, a fairly active spring for a stretch. I was down here in March for the March 17th severe weather outbreak and the March 25th severe weather outbreak. Uh, those two high risks in Northeast Mississippi and parts of Northwest Alabama. Um, right. Me and the other 23,000 students in Mississippi State, we had all eyes to the sky those days. And they were um, some, some big events, memorable events coming up. That was the first time I'd been in a high risk by the SPC ever in my life. And they were, we had two in almost a week time span uh, separate from each other. So what are some memorable severe weather events, um, not depending on how they verified, um, that you remember covering uh, this season? Frankly, we don't get sent out as much as, uh, as we used to. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with COVID and things like that, at least for, for us as a network right now. But just for me, just kind of stopping for a second and closing my eyes, I'm thinking all the stuff that we had in the Northeast. Uh, Rob Macedo is a great friend of mine. He's a Skywarn spotter up there for the National Weather Service in Taunton. 
And I mean, we were literally texting <laughs> every, every other day uh, with, with, with severe weather, with hail, with damaging wind uh, in, into New England. It just seems like it never stopped once it, once it got started. So that's, and we were talking about that a little bit earlier before, before we came on. So that, I mean, I think that sector, that sector has just been, has just been hot. Uh, we have, we had a lot of these really super strong tornadoes, um, you know, EF fives. I mean, we haven't had one since, since more Oklahoma, right? It's been a long time, but some of the ones that we did have have been, you know, over the winter. We had the situation in Nashville. We had the situation in southeastern uh, North Carolina. Uh, you know, so these were off-season, uh, big, severe weather events, and and that that's what I would be looking for again uh, as we as as we go through this winter is more of these. And that's why I was saying earlier on, don't just think of okay, well, this is winter. We don't get severe weather in winter. You can't think of you can't think like that anymore because we, we just get a multitude of, of different severe weather parameters all year round now. I mean, the fire season goes all year. They dried out in Colorado. They dried out in Western North Carolina a couple of weeks ago after what has been a wet period of over a year and a half. And all of a sudden we've got fires, you know, rolling up the hillside. Uh, just, just this rapid changing weather that, that we're just going to have to adjust to and, and people are going to have to pay attention to. I want to kind of piggyback off that because there's been a lot of research lately uh, we know typical tornado alley is the Midwest, but we're starting to see like the Dixie alley or the Southeast really pick up with yep. tornadoes, even on the East coast where it's been relatively, relatively quiet along the Midwest. It, it seems like that might be a, a shift that's continuing. It's absolutely a trend, you know, like, like we're seeing in other things like heavy rain and um, warmer sea surface temperatures and in, 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 in regions. So that is absolutely something we have to watch. Uh, and that unfortunately brings a lot of adverse weather into populated areas where, as you know, it's hilly. There's a lot of trees. Uh, they're hard to see. And, and people want verification when there's a tornado warning. So, um, I, I mean, I think we've done a good job as an enterprise to, to build people's trust. And we just have to keep doing that. We're seeing more and more wildfires and kind of going yeah. off of what you're just talking about with, with the enterprise. Um, like you mentioned, Western North Carolina, and I, I hate to say a flash drought, but that's it, kind of what it is, is a, right. a flash drought setup. Uh, so we, we see all the attention on the West Coast, rightfully so, Colorado, here in the Southeast. What do we need to do as an enterprise to better prepare people for these droughts and these wildfires that really just seem to be getting larger and larger as we go throughout the years? I mean, those are big news stories, big weather stories you guys cover on the Weather Channel and on national news. I mean, what do we need to do as this enterprise to get the attention of folks that this is a real thing that we're going to continue dealing with? Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting preceding that, that Western North Carolina flash drought, as you talked about. Um, and actually even, uh, even a lot of North Carolina, South Carolina, I shouldn't just say the Western part of the state, that's where the fire was. Uh, there were some critical fire days. Okay. And, and I think, you know, making a big deal of that and, and maybe finding a way to show that to say, look, it's been a wet period. And, and you're probably finding it hard to believe that we're talking about critical fire danger after, after the wet spring that we had, after the wet summer that we had. Uh, but you know what it is? This, it is really dried out here. And so you just kind of kind of drive home that message. So if something does happen, like was the case in, in Western North Carolina, people are like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that from 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 my weather folks. Uh, they, they were talking about that very thing. It's great that you bring that up because the SPC, obviously, they issue the thunderstorm outlooks every yep. day, but they also issue these fire outlooks. Exactly. I, I'll, I'll be the first to say uh, I'm guilty as charged. I don't talk about that as much as I do a severe outlook. So that that's a great refresher that we do need to keep these outlooks that they issue. You know, we need to keep those as talking points. And, and sometimes, you know, especially with fire danger and in the West, I mean, it's just every day they just come out, and especially last year. Uh, and sometimes for the, for the Southern Plains or, or even the Southeast, if it dries out, it just seems like it's there every day, but nothing happens. I think people, when you, when you say this is there, uh, it's almost like I expect something to happen. And if it doesn't happen, uh, I'm not really listening to you because, well, you said that last week and nothing happened. So I, I think that's the hardest message to get across. 
is that, yeah, okay, we're remaining dry. There's no chance of rain. And And what may make it a bigger fire danger day is this. So the way that you, that you case that, um, I, I think is, is, is a really big deal. Jim, the questions that we have slated to follow, get to know you a little bit more, explore your career, but before we make that turn, anything else this year that stands out that you wanted to make sure you get in as you look back? You know, it, this, this question, we, we were talking about this a little bit the other day and, and I'm almost wondering if people are getting a little sick of us standing out in the weather. Uh, it's just, it's something I've, I've always done and, you know, I, I've made a career out of being in studio and also going out in the field, but it just seems like from some of the harshness from some of the Twitter responses this year that, that I, I just think people are kind of getting sick of it. You know, they don't know if it's real or if, you know, just comments of why, why are they standing out there if it's, if it's that bad, <laughs> if it's that bad and you're evacuating, you to, you know, so I, I think that's kind of coming around for, for some reason. And I mean, I've always done it. it it's, it's been my job. I mean, one of the things I tell everybody is, look, uh, if I'm going to ask you to evacuate, I want you to go to a safe place and I'll let me go out there and I'll take you through it. I'll show you what happened. Okay. And that, that's my job. But I mean, you, you see people that are on, you know, money channels and news channels. And I mean, people that, that don't really have weather experience that might not know about storm surge and how quick it's going to come up, uh, might not know that you're about to get into the hurricane ban and winds are going to increase two to three times of what they've been, um, not to mention the energy that's associated with them. I, I think there's kind of maybe a perception from the public that it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've kind of had enough of this. Or is that something that's coupled with what's going on with COVID? Look, my life's rough enough. I'm dealing with COVID. Uh, I haven't been into the office for for 10 months. I don't really feel like watching you guys in a hurricane. I don't don't know. Just just something kind of hit me this year about that. And whether it sticks or not, we'll see. That's really interesting. And I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. Do you feel like it might have anything to do with the media landscape and distrust of information and the way people may be reacting to things? That could be that that's as, that's as good as assessment as, as, as I could come up with um, too. Uh, you know, you, you've got certain people that watch this, you've got certain people that watch that and believe this way. Um, so now is weather is, is the weather enterprise getting to the point where, well, since we don't really, like what you guys stand for. I mean, it's the weather. I mean, we, we don't really have to pick a side. Okay. The, the weather's the weather. It's going to, it's, it's always going to happen. Um, is, is it because more climate news is out there and we're sharing that with people, P, you know, people are picking a side from that versus what we're actually covering in the field. That, that's a great way of look. I mean, that, that's, as, that's a great way of, of, of at least starting the dissection of what's going on here. But it's just, it's just something I've noticed, whether it's true or not or really happening, I don't, I don't know. But I just feel like people are get, they just kind of have had it with us being out there. I always felt like weather was different than politics or sports where people picked a side because, like you said, weather is weather. And now it seems like that's maybe not the case. Yeah, but we ha- we have to bring climate into it. We have to talk about these things because, in some cases, it's it's driving some of the weather. So you you, you can't really ignore that. Um, so whether all of a sudden, if you bring that in, you're being blamed for bringing that in, or or or, or being labeled as choosing a side, uh, I, I don't know. But I, I think that's an interesting way to look at it for sure. As a meteorologist that works in a newsroom every day, and you know we have these major weather events that come through, whether they're hurricanes or whether we have, you know, a, a huge tornado day. And we talk about, you know, are, are people getting sick of seeing the reporters out in the weather? I've always wondered, it, are we doing ourselves an injustice by sending reporters and news reporters into that when they don't, you know, honestly, you know, news reporters don't know a thing about weather. You know, they're just out there to get the story and, and figure right. out how the, how the people have prepared and done this and done that. So are we selling ourselves short by not sending a meteorologist out there with a reporter to really educate people and to really drive the weather portion of that home? Or are we just out there telling people how people have prepared and this, this store is boarded up and so on and so forth? Uh, I certainly think so. I mean, if you asked me to, to talk about what I thought, uh, NVIDIA stock was going to do over the next six to 12 months, um, I, I'd be at a loss for word. I mean, it's not my, that's not my expertise. 
You know, I'd be like, I gotta get, I gotta find Kramer. I gotta get Kramer on here to tell me. But it's, 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 it's in that same genre. I mean, when you're out there just reporting on the weather, I mean, it's one thing, you know, being in it, but when, when people see stuff flying around at you or, or, or coming at you, and especially if you don't really know what's about to happen as a reporter, I mean, I, I think that's kind of building a little bit of, gosh, what are they doing out there? What, what, are, what are they doing out there? Do they, why are they out there? If you were just starting your career today, and you came through college recently, do you think you would land on the same career track you're on now, Jim Cantori of the Weather Channel, or do you think you'd end up being Jim Cantori, the YouTube star? When I started at the Weather Channel at 22 years old, uh, there was a lot for me to learn, and I'm still learning today. Um, when I was surrounding myself with guys like John Hope, and Mark Mancuso, and Bill Keneally, and Bruce Edwards, and Bill Shue, I, I mean, the early guy you know the early folks at the weather channel uh, i mean i was just like a sponge and absorbing that information and, and that certainly i think helped me get to where i am without question um have, having to learn from those guys especially from a broadcast standpoint because you know we're broadcasting so much on the weather channel schwartz and i sat down one time and figured out we were on when we did a four hour shift uh, we were on like 25 minutes of that hour. So, I mean, you know, there's a hundred, a hundred minutes, if you will, of, of talking and you have to fill that with something. So that, that's a lot. And, and that's going to get you, get you built up to speed uh, in a hurry. But um, I mean, I, I look, look at where we are guys. We've got Fox weather, we've got weather channel, we've got AccuWeather, we've got weather nation and then, how, why ever all those networks are out there. I'm, I'm not going to speculate on that. Uh, but we have all these, you know, national television networks, A, because the people that are starting them up know that they can make money on them. Okay. B, there's weather, there's, there's money in weather. Uh, and, and B, I just think there's a, a desire for, for, for more weather information out there and, and the delivery of it at all times in the day. So, I, I think if I was just starting up, I, I would probably want to be part of that, be a part of a group um, to, to learn and, and, and certainly get up to speed on, A, my broadcasting techniques and also my meteorology. I mean, you know, when Michael Lowry came to the Weather Channel as a tropical expert, I mean, he was just a smart kid. I, mean, I just loved listening to him and, and, and his theories on things and how he looked at tropical meteorology. So, uh, you know, I'm learning from the kids now. <laughs> I learned from you guys now. Uh, which is just wonderful. I mean, that, that's the beauty of this science. You just never, ever stop learning. I don't care how old you are or how many years you've got in the business. Here on the on the show this year, we've we've interviewed Eric Thomas and Paul Berries, two longtime meteorologists, uh, Paul in, in the Chattanooga area, Eric and Charlotte. Uh, they're retiring after 30, 35 years in the business. Uh, and it seems like hmm. nationally, I, I've seen some uh, SPC meteorologists have retired this year. Uh, so to me, it kind of seems like we may be seeing that change of the guard. Um, so my question to you, Jim, being in this industry um, for so long, what would you tell folks who say, hey, that's my weather person, that's who I trust? What would you say to those folks who are now you know, trying to find their new meteorologists they like to follow? And B, what would you ask uh, or what would you tell future meteorologists like Dylan and Evan who are coming in through college right now, what, what advice would you give to them? Be, be true to yourself. I mean, why are you, do, why are you doing it? Ask yourself that question. Uh, are, are, are you doing it to really be a good forecaster and save lives uh, and, and be a service for people? If, if the answers to those questions are yes, that's why I'm doing it, then you're, you're on the right path. Then um, that, that, you know, there's, it's never like a panacea going to, TV. There's, there's things certainly, as, as we know, um, that have happened to the Weather Channel that I really haven't appreciated or enjoyed. There's been times where it's been tough to be here, but um, I love what I do. Uh, I love, you know, the opportunities this company has given me and certainly I've given them. So it, you, you, it's just like a marriage. You go through some tough times, right? And, and, and you kind of stick with it. But again, the, the, you go back to those questions. Why am I doing this? Uh, do I really want to help people? Uh, you know, do I want to learn and, and show people what uh, 
I'm coming to look at when I come to this forecast for snow or a hurricane or a tornado outbreak? Do I want to, you know, let them feel what I'm feeling? And, and if, if it's all yes to that, then, then, then just point them and go. Point them and go. I, I had a separate question uh, that I just want to jump in here. Charisma. You, you can know all the weather knowledge, you know, from here to wherever, but you got to have that charisma mm-hmm. and people got to be able to see that. I believe. Yeah. It's a performance guys. <laughs> you know, it's all, it's all about eyeballs. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you have to sell it. You know, I, I, I think I, I don't know if I told you guys this before, but, but Al Roker says um, the worst thing you could ever do on television is be boring. That's the worst thing you could ever do uh, for yourself and, and the people watching you, because all of a sudden, all that knowledge that you have is is now gone. Right? It, 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 people aren't. It doesn't matter <laughs> to people because you've lost them. You've lost your audience. So you can never be boring on, on television. So charisma is uh, is part of it. But I think you know what? When you have a confidence in what you're talking about, when you have a confidence in the forecast situation and what's unfolding, that that those two kind of go hand in hand, right? Because you, you, you're you jacked about doing it. You're going to go out there and tell everybody about it. Uh, and, and you're going to be following it through. And, and they're going to be enjoying the ride with you. So, you know, bringing people in to, to, to what you're doing um, and, and showing them that you have that knowledge is, is charismatic in its own right. Uh, Jim, we have a few viewer questions to go through. So uh, no particular order here. Uh, first up, uh, Chris Mulcahy asks, uh, what is your first hurricane that you covered on TV? Uh, that would have been Andrew in 92. It would have been the second landfall uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I will never forget it as long as I live. Um, the storm stalled over the bayou. We went to bed. Um, I was in this old hotel with the air conditioners in the windows. And at about four o'clock in the morning, my window unit blew in. It blew, literally blew in in the middle of my floor. So I was just like, obviously, when I woke up, I went to the window. I'm looking out. It's like the 4th of July out there with all the transformers that are surging. So I just called my producer. I'm like, dude, we got to go live. We got to go live right now. It's coming and it's coming in. And it was probably one of the earliest times we ever, we've ever been up and out on the, on the weather channel. But I mean, that started right there. And, and that's when I knew I, I loved being out in it. Yeah, it sounds and, like a trial by fire there for that to be yeah, the first yeah, a little bit, A little bit, man, a little bit, but... <laughs> Um, it, it was fun and it was exciting and I, and I, and I just like being out in it. Um, but from that point on, you know, it, it, it became more than just being out and getting the big pump from being in the storm. In 1996, a, a woman came up to me on Wrightsville beach in North Carolina. And I, it was, it was unbelievable. We had, we had hundreds of people behind us where my producer actually asked me to, to split them because so we could see that there was an ocean behind us, the Atlantic ocean. And when we did that, I don't know, as we were doing all that, this lady had come up to me and she goes, you know, Jim, you know, I know it's not going to be good here, but I, I just wanted you to know that I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that you're here to take us through it. And I will never forget that. I, I, you could just see her coming. And I, I just felt like she had something to say to me. And when, and when she said that, I just was like, you know what, dude, this is not just about the, the, the pump of being out in the field anymore you have a purpose out here. You have a purpose to inform, save a few lives if people choose to, to listen to you and heed your information and, and pass that information along. So yeah, that's what yeah, it's that, all about, that's right? That's really how it's grown. Yeah, it's exactly what it's all about. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, quick follow-up to that since you brought it up. Um, I know that you sometimes see, you know, people spray paint on their, uh, on their plywood covering their windows. Can Tori go home and stuff like that? Do you ever have somebody actually get up in your face and, and, and rude to you about stuff like that? Uh, uh, some lunatic, maybe. <laughs> the folks in the Outer Banks don't usually like it when I show up. And, and, they, and they make that very well known. And that's fine. I, I, I get it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not there to close down anybody's businesses. Uh, but I will say for many, many years, you know, not only are we telling you when to leave, but literally in the same broadcast, we are telling you when you can come back. And if the storm's going to pass by the time the weekend is done, and if they're asking you to evacuate, you better evacuate. But you know what? You'll be able to come back in time for the weekend. And, and I think that's a responsible thing to do, whether mm-hmm. people feel that way or not. But yeah, I mean, I've had a couple folks um, in my face about it. 
is part of the job. Another hurricane question. Uh, Seth Monteith has asked, uh, what's the favorite hurricane that you've covered? The ones that croak before they make their way to the coast and the ones that I'm in sunglasses on and eating pizza. Okay. Making light of it. Uh, Amen to that. You're right. I mean, I mean, those are the, those are the ones I like guys. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, favorite. Uh, I don't, I've, I, after going through Katrina, after going through the, I think 107 now assorted tropical systems, um, they're just, they're just not fun. There's, there's nothing fun about people losing things and, and, and being displaced and being flooded or, or, or no fun. Fun is not it. Um, Sure. There's a jack about it. There's a pump, but fun. No, never. One more hurricane question here from uh, Jim Williams. Uh, how much input do you have in uh, placement for where you are when you are chasing a hurricane? It's funny you say, that. I think I saw that um, when we, when we put the tweet out about the fact that I was going to be on with you guys. Uh, I was like, Oh, that's a good question. Anyway. So I, I actually do have a little bit. I, they, they do say, Jim, what, you know, what are you thinking? Where do you want to go? Um, and, and so I do have a little bit of, of, of pull in that area. Uh, there, there is a propensity to kind of get me into the worst of it. That's, it's where I want to be. Uh, it's where people expect me to be. So sometimes it's, it's an easy choice. Uh, sometimes there's a little of this going on, you know, because it's, it's not just me. It's, it's when we're on, what times we're, we're on, what people have already been sent out. Cause sometimes I don't feel comfortable going out really early for, for a situation, you know, cause it, I mean, look at Sally. Remember Sally last year in 2020. Um, okay, here we go. Central Louisiana. Oh, New Orleans. Oh, Biloxi. All of a sudden it winds up, you know, flooding Pensacola and, and, I was like, you know what? I don't think it's, they wanted me to send me to New Orleans. And I said, I don't really think it's going that far West. Everything's trending East, but they're like, Jim, we need you in New Orleans. All right. So I went and sure enough, we wound back up in Pensacola, but you know, that's, I, I do have a say in it and I do appreciate that. And the last from Lynn Mould, she wants to know uh, what you are most proud of. One of the things I'm most proud of is the fact that early on in my career, leaving home um and really i, I mean i i i've come from a, a, two adopted parents that just loved me to death for all four of us were adopted that's another story but i i i, I talk to my mom every day and uh to to have my parents be able to watch me on television um and, and, and keep that connection um that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of. I thought it was going to be when uh, Anthony Soprano turned you on on one of the episodes of Sopranos. I thought maybe that would make make that, proud. That, dude, that is a close second. I, I cannot <laughs> lie. Uh, I was watching it myself. <laughs> I was watching it myself. And all of a sudden, my phone's just like blighting. I was just blowing up everywhere. I'm a huge lover of, of high winds, so long as people aren't losing life and property. Uh, what's the strongest wind gust can be guesstimate that you've experienced in your career? I'm going to say 90 to a hundred um, with, uh, with Isaac in new Orleans, when we were between uh, on canal street, between those buildings, I mean, those, that's the same wind that pushed those dumpsters out uh, into the street, which people thought we staged out there <laughs> anyway, but the, I'm going to say 90 to a hundred. Um, and it, it's enough to blow you right off your feet. No question. We talked about you being out in the field earlier. If you uh, if you could ever groin check that guy at the College of Charleston again, would you do it? Yeah, but I wouldn't miss next time. If you guys know anything about the target, uh, I miss the target because if you hit the target, nobody's getting up and moving. Right? Okay. We just considered you a kung fu master after that. So <laughs> your followers know you spend a lot of time in. Georgia and specifically the Blue Ridge Mountains of Georgia, yeah. Georgia. I've been there a few times myself. It's a great place to be. What's some of your favorite activities to do in that part of the state? I, I always had like a place to go on the river where I, where I detoxed from, from storms and things like that. And, you know, that's what I brought my kids up doing. And, you know, we always 
floated down the river and sat in the river and just enjoyed the weather in North Georgia. Cause I mean, guys, this is the same mountain chain I grew up in. <laughs> it's just the Southern part of it, right? It's, it, it's, it's Vermont to, to North Georgia. It's the same mountain chain. Uh, so, so I always wanted to be on the lake. Um, and one of my very good friends, unfortunately he's passed away. Uh, it was always a big water lover and being on the water with, with watercraft and things like that. So, I just kind of took a, a leap of faith and said, you know, I want to get a boat. I want to get some jet skis and, and get out on the water. And uh, I love just being out on the water, whether it's paddle boarding or being on the boat or, or being on the jet skis. I mean, it's, I just love it. So any, anything out on the water. What is a place that uh, you really get excited when you know you're going to be uh, covering a storm there? And what things do you do in that spot when you're there? Favorite weather event to cover is snow. Because typically, if people do what they're supposed to do, nobody gets hurt, right? Um, so Boston. I, I love going to Boston. I love going to eastern New England. Uh, the North End, you know, we'll get our coverage done. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully get an evening meal at the North End in Boston and, and, and enjoy. Sometimes I'll see Fisher or Mish Michaels or I'll get to catch Harvey Leonard on television. I mean, you know, that's where I grew up. Uh, a lot of friends up there, and and it's definitely definitely New England. I had to ask that because uh, we recently taped with uh, Mark Suddeth, uh, the uh, hurricane chaser, and we, I asked that yeah. that question. He said, "I just go to chain places because I never have time to to get excited about going anywhere." I was wondering if it was like that for you too. You know what? It, it, it used to be because sometimes we would have to do double duties, but now they kind of want us to be married to our shift. So since I'm on in the mornings, they want me on in the mornings, uh, you know, like Tevin's on in the evenings now and, and Chris Warren and Jackie, if they're out in the field, they're going to want them on their show. So, they, I, you know, it's gone from just doing live shots every half hour to now anchoring our shows from the field. So, you know, it's a lot different going on every half hour and, and splitting the shifts uh, than doing four to six hours straight, actually anchoring a show. Uh, in the morning, so it's a little, it's a little bit more exhausting. So they they they, they play it that way now, and um, that's fine. That's all good. Jim, you have been very gracious with your time with us over the past several years, and I can't believe it has taken us this long to ask. What is the story with the cars and the footballs behind you? Oh my gosh, yeah, the footballs. You know, there used to be this thing in Atlanta called the Super Show, which was everything to do with sports everything. And so a lot of my collectibles in sports have come from that. So, um, you know, Tony Dorsett, um, we got, uh, what's his name? Um, Taylor from the giants. Okay. This first name, Brett Favre, who I met a couple of times. He's awesome. They made me sign one. The cars are actually, they've got Yankees on. All right. Can you guys see that? There's actually, these are all cars that have had, you know, Yankees have sponsored at some point. Um, the drag, I love dragsters. I love any, you know, I, I, I just love dragsters, watching dragsters. So that's really it. I just, I just thought diecast was cool. So that's, that's pretty much the story. I know Tim Buckley and uh, Jack Kendrick was wanting to know about that. So a lot of people was curious about that. Uh, so I'm going to kind of piggyback off that, Jim, uh, Jim and ask you, uh, do you play any sports? And uh, you just kind of talked a little bit throughout the show about baseball and, and football and, and racing and stuff. So do you play any sports and what's your favorite sports to watch and favorite teams? Uh, when I can, I, you know, like, like to get into the golf. Um, I still love to ski. Uh, you know, like I said, a lot of times on the watercraft these days. Uh, I loved softball. I used to play a lot of competitive softball, but um this little thing called the rotator cuff doesn't work very well anymore. Uh, if, if there's something I can do to get back into that, I, I totally would. Is it, is it an operation or what? I have to think about that, but I'd love to play again before I, before I can't really play anymore. Uh, so yeah. And plus, you know, I just love being outside walking, running, you know, doing a little, little time in the gym, not as much as I used to, but just got to stay in shape, man. A huge, huge Yankees fan. Who else? Huge Yankees fan. Ridiculous. This lockout is not making me happy. All right. Hopefully by the time you guys show this show, it's, it's over. Where's the best barbecue you've ever had? Oh my God, dude. That's a great question. All right. <laughs> so every October, God bless Jack Daniels. God bless Jack Daniels. They asked me to come judge 
the invitational. All right. So this is the best of the best. The, there are countries, foreign countries represented in this. You have to have won some contest in the United States to be a participant in this. So the best barbecue, the best brisket, best ribs, the best desserts I've ever had in my entire life are uh, at this Jack Daniels Invitational, which, which occurs every year up there in beautiful Lynchburg, Tennessee. And oh, I, it, it, saying, that, saying that I can't even eat other barbecue now. I can't. It, it, it's otherworldly. Christian, I want to know, are you team bar, uh, vinegar or team tomato? Oh, gosh, it's got to be tomato-based. I mean, <laughs> it's got to be tomato. Uh, my vinegar heart there kind of hurts. Oh, did I hurt you there? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was a little while. When was the last time you hand-analyzed a weather map? You know, you know what's funny? It, it, every once in a while, you'll see a tweet where I've taken the GR Earth and I've kind of outlined the... Uh, so not, not hand analyzed. I, I know you're talking about, you know, with isobaric uh, analysis, but basically the, like the 80 degree temperature line or the, or the 70 degree isodrosotherm if that, you know what I mean? The line of the dew point. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so I'll, I'll do that a lot of times in the summer, sometimes in the winter, like look at, look at how far the, you know, the cold air reaches into the South. All these temperatures are below 32. So uh, yeah, I get a little bit of that action, but in terms of true sit down, uh, I salabaric analysis. You know, you know who the best is at that is carbon. Greg Carbon. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he's got the colored pencils. He's he, you know, the best. He still does. Uh Jim, as of this recording, it's December 7th. So as I'm closing out here, it's been 1093 days since you visit us in Boone, North Carolina with the big snowstorm. That was oh, the last, that yeah. was the last snow event that we've had, big snow event we've had in Western, in, in all of North Carolina, honestly. So we hope that we see you back here real soon. You said you like to come back and, and see snow. So we hope that you'll be in our neck of the woods uh, real soon. So when you guys are here in this podcast, it's probably going to be a thousand ninety three plus a day since we've had that big snowfall, but uh, we can't wait to have you back here in the Carolinas covering some snowfall. Any reason to bring back the boon stick? And I'm there. That's, I'm there. We're we're ready for it. We are ready to have you back. We we <laughs> we're welcome. We're ready for uh, open arms to have you back covering some snow. So, uh, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we can follow you on, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and. Be sure to check Jim out on the Weather Channel. Um, from all of us here, Jim, Merry Christmas. Thank you for uh, joining us. Yeah, Merry Christmas, guys. Happy New Year. And thank you all for watching the Carolina Weather Group. We'll see you back next year, 2022, with an all-new episode.